This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning. It's always a good time when me and my wife and my kids can come over this way and be able to see y'all's faces again. And um, I've had to turn turned Pat down a few times. Uh, he's asked me to come over here because I've had other things I had to do over at Aurora, where, we, where we're from. And so I appreciate um, him still reaching out and be able to, we're able to come over here and help out in whatever way we can. This morning we're going to study uh, some on what Christ spoke of in Acts chapter 20, or what Paul spoke of, or was spoken of here in Acts chapter 20, referring back to Christ. It says, I have shewed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're going to look at a verse later where this uh, idea, this lesson has came from, this study has come from and, uh, in Luke. Uh, and I've studied both ways, and it's stemmed from one verse. But we're going to start here, and we hear this uh, from our parents maybe. I heard it when I was growing up around Christmas time or uh, around a birthday party, we hear them say, well, it's, it's good to get gifts, but we also got to remember to give back. We've got to be more happy to, to give gifts than to receive gifts. And, we, and I try to teach our kids this uh, as they get gifts from Christmas or birthday. It says it's good to get these gifts, but it's not all about getting gifts. It's about also giving other people gifts or giving other people things. And they need to remember that importance. But as we think about our Christian life, do we take this into consideration that when we are told this by Jesus, there's more blessed to give than to receive. Do we take that to heart? That Yeah, we get a lot of things in our life. There's a lot of blessings that we, that we get to enjoy in our life from other folks. Uh, we have a lot of family that can give to us. And speaking for myself, you know, my mom and dad has given us a lot of blessings. Uh, my grandparents. And then you look in the church, how, how great a blessing it is for us to get to enjoy each other's blessings. But just think about us giving blessings back and giving things to others. God says it's a blessing. It's more of a blessing to give than to receive. We need to keep that in mind as we go throughout this study this morning. So to start off, we're going to look at examples of giving. As we'll find out as we go through this study, uh, when I immediately when I think about giving, I think about money. I think about the dollar bill. I think about the coins and how we can give other people money, how people can give us money. But I want you to think about each and every aspect of your life in, in giving. Is it just money? You know, we can give in a lot of ways. We can give of our time. We can give of uh, our energy to something, to someone. Um, we have different talents, don't we, for the church. We have different things that we can do for the Lord. We, we can give those to other people. Maybe it's our compassion. Maybe it's our love. Maybe it's prayer for somebody. Uh, maybe it's just simply giving somebody grace on different things. And it can be money, it can be supplies, it can be food, it can be all these things. It's not just limited to money, the dollar bill. There's a lot of things that we can give. So keep that in mind as we go through these examples. Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 through 7. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. 
according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even every one whose heart stirred him up to come into the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the, Lord, which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary, to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had which for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and, and too much. And so as we think about this example here, back in Exodus, as they was building this sanctuary, and they was do, there was a command given out to, to bring these certain things to make the sanctuary. And they also had these people that would just bring free offerings, the offerings that they just decided to give. And they brought so much stuff that Moses had to restrain the people from bringing. They had brought so much stuff that Moses said, that's enough. We got too much. We got enough, that more than what we need to, to build this and to do this for God. I want you to notice the heart behind these people. They didn't just do what God had commanded them to do, but they brought free offerings. They brought more than what was enough. And so as you give in your life, whatever it is, we need to make sure we don't just do it because God is, is making us do it. It should be something that we are doing it because we're happy to do it, that we're bringing more than what's enough to the table, so to speak. That could be for somebody else. It could be for God. Do, do more than what you're asked to do. We have an example here of someone giving in response to a great cause. And this is out of the ESV. Uh, we want, to, want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So I want you to notice this congregation he's speaking of here, that even though in their extreme test of affliction, in their poverty, he said they are overflowing in a wealth of generosity. You know, this congregation didn't, apparently didn't have much. It was in poverty. Uh, they, had, they had tests of afflictions that they was going through, but they still had a generous heart in giving to this cause. And this is what Paul was teaching the Corinthians here that, about giving and, and using this congregation here at Macedonia or these churches, these congregations at Macedonia, how giving they, that they were. And the very important part about this is that they're at the very last, where he says they first give themselves to God. And I think in any aspect of giving that we have, opportunity to give, we've got to give to God first. We've got to get our, our heart to God. And when we give our heart to God first, when we give to others, it's going to be the right way. It's going to be with the right heart. And these people gave themselves to God first. And it says, then, by the will of God to us. Give, whether large or small. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. 
And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offering of God. But she of her penury, or poverty, hath cast in all the living that she, that she had. Now I want you to imagine these rich man, men coming by and they, you know they're rich, they, you know they have lots of money, and they're, they're casting in just wads of cash, you know, in our mind it would be wads of cash or coins or whatever, they're throwing that into the offering plate. And then you see this little old widow come by and she's cast in two mites. And from the front end of that, it may look like, boy, they're, those rich men, they have a, a good heart to give. Look how much money they're giving. And then you look at that woman, it's like, well, she's not giving very much compared to the other people, so she must not have a good heart on giving. But that's where our physical minds go. That's where our minds will drift sometimes. But we're, we're getting corrected here. We're getting admonition here on really about what, the true heart of these people were. Now, these rich men, I, it doesn't say, I, I can't say that they was doing it for show. I think, in my opinion, I think they're just giving what they feel like they needed to give. Yes, they had some back. They had maybe some back, saved back at their house or uh, put back in the bank, so to speak. And they was just giving of what they felt like they needed to give. And, and in their case, because they was rich, they was giving a lot. But this little widow came by and, and she cast in those two mites and God, Christ says this, she's given all that she had ever get, had, gave all her living in that one case. She didn't have anything to look forward to to buy in the next few days. This was what she, that's all the living she had. Now whether it's a great amount that you give, physically you see in a great amount, or it's a little bit. This little lady here, she gave so much more than those other people did because she gave all her living away. She had a heart to give everything she had for, the, for whatever cause this was being collected for. And again, it's, it's more than just money. Luke chapter 10, verse 30, it says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came and where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds and, brought in, and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So as you notice, this guy that had been robbed, he'd been stripped of everything he had, including his clothes. He's laying there half dead on the road, and this priest came by. And he looked at him, and he just detoured around that guy, walked around him, didn't stop, didn't ask questions, and went on. A Levite came by and seen him and passed by on the other side and didn't say a word to him, didn't help him. And we have this Samaritan that came, and he says he had compassion on this guy that had been robbed that was left there half dead that was wounded and I, I reckon that this guy looked in such a way that you would know that he had been beaten he's laying there bleeding he was there in, in, in dire need of something and the Samaritan seen him and it says he he'd come unto him he poured in oil and wine he, he knew how to uh, cure those wounds and clean them out 
set, it, set him up on his own beast and took him to an end. Now I want you to notice something about this. Is this guy gave of his time. He had uh, a talent, I guess, to know how to clean wounds. It says he used his own beast to set this guy up on and took him to an inn. Now, my question is, is this guy, this inn, this place of stay, is it where this guy was going, the Samaritan? Was it on the way? Or do you think it was an inn that was about 20 miles backwards and there was not an inn in, in the direction that he was going? He, he may have had to take this guy back. We, we don't know. It don't say. But just the time that this guy had taken for this man that had been beaten. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. And it says on the morrow, so that tells us that this guy had stayed with him all night long, taking care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out some money, gave it to the host, and he says, take care of him, whatever he needs, buy. If it's over two pence, when I come back through, I'll, I will pay that. I will pay whatever you spend over. So yes, he did use money here. But I want you to look at everything else this guy spent for this guy that had been robbed. So much more than just money. We have a, a giving heart as a result of a heart transformation. And I think this might uh, help us all as we search through the scriptures and, and read about Jesus. I think Jesus is the only one that can change our heart on giving. If, if, we're, if we have trouble with that, I think we can open up our heart to, to Christ and he's able to change that. Uh, because it changed this guy's heart here. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. And when, he, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, those ones that were standing by, murmured and complained, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this, Today is salvation come to this house, for as much as he, as he also is the son of Abraham. So this guy, he was the chief, Zacchaeus, he was the chief among the publicans, uh, and he was rich. And, you know, publicans, tax collectors, another is another word for them, tax collectors, they, they didn't get rich. Uh, by honest means most of the time and and they were known by as very you know greedy people covetous people and so this guy no doubt had got rich by some false false means uh, so he was he was there he's chief among the publicans it says he was the he was the top dog I guess you might say in the in the tax collectors but there was something that he wanted to see he wanted to see Jesus Something sparked his interest about Jesus. And we see that today as we have people that, that come to church. And they're, they're looking for something. They're looking for Christ. This guy right here, he, he had something, a hole that he had to fill. There was something he was looking for. He was looking for Jesus and who he was. He has heard so many, so many things about Jesus. But this guy, he couldn't see Jesus. He was a little guy. And there's got these people were crowded around Jesus looking at, 
and talking to Jesus and seeing these miracles and different things that was happening. And this little guy couldn't, so he went ahead where Jesus was going to be going and climbed up into a tall tree. And as he was looking down to see Jesus, and Jesus passed that way, Jesus looked up and says, Make haste, Zacchaeus, and come down, or come down quickly, because I'm going to be at your house in just a few minutes. And he came down, it says, came down and received him joyfully. Now I want you to notice the heart change here. A publican, a chief among the publicans, that was greedy for the money that he got and would do anything to get that money, he stood and, and said unto the Lord, Behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything by false accusation, deceitfully, I restore them fourfold. And Jesus didn't correct him and say, No, I don't think you're really going to do that. Jesus let him speak. And this was a true heart of a changed person. One that was greedy, one that was covetous, that was all about himself, changing into a, a person that says, if I, have, if I have anything, a false accusation, I give back four times, and I give half of my goods to, to feed the poor. It's noticing that, that Jesus can change our heart if we just allow, allow him to. Given when others would not, Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, Notwithstanding you have done well, or well done, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, receiving, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, as Paul is speaking to the church here at Philippi, he says, you know, no church communicated unto me as you have. Now, I don't know why the other churches could not or would not. It didn't say. But no other church communicated to Paul as the Philippians did here, the church at Philippi as concerning giving and receiving. He says, I, I bring this up not that because I desire a gift. I don't, I'm not saying this that you need to just overflow me with gifts. He says, but I say this that fruit may abound to your account. You know, the giving that you do, that's building fruit to, your, to yourselves. But he says, because I'm full, I'm satisfied, I'm good. He says, but I do appreciate those gifts that in your heart behind why you're giving, which is a sweet smell and an odor that lifts up to God that's pleasing to Him. The heart that's behind giving. And we looked at those examples. There's got to there's be a heart behind all those people. They just didn't, as they say, as my dad said, willy-nilly just happen to give something to somebody. That Samaritan just didn't happen to have a thought in his mind. That, well, yeah, it's a good thing to do. I guess i got to help this guy. There was a heart behind that. There was a heart behind that publican that was changed. So let's look at that heart. Luke chapter 14, there at verse 12. <coughs> then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, 
the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Now this is where this whole study for myself has stemmed from, is this verse right here. I was reading through Luke, and this I came across this, and I started examining my own heart on why and how I give to other folks. And this is even to God, too. The heart, the true heart behind giving. It's so easy for us to go find somebody that can repay us fourfold to give to those people. It says, if I give, if I give $5 to Ben or David, knowing that later, if I need something, I know that they will give me fourfold back, it's going to be a lot easier to give to y'all. And like my grandparents, they, they're just immediately giving us, you know, helping us out and helping us out. But should I just give my time to my grandparents because they give me so much back? It says, don't bid them that you know that are your kinsmen that are rich because they're going to repay you probably even more than what you gave them. But, but find those people that don't have anything. He, he kind of calls out these people. The poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. What can those type of people give to you? Those that are out on the streets, for example, that has nothing. That uh, guy that had been robbed at the Samaritan scene, that guy had nothing to give that Samaritan. But yet look how much that Samaritan gave that guy without expecting anything in return. We need to go find people that we know. I'm not saying not to give to your kins, kinsmen, your kinfolk, or... Your, your rich neighbors, anything like that. That's, that's a good thing. Still don't respect anything in return. But when we see those people that doesn't have anything to give back to us, still have a heart to give to those people even. Because we have so much more to look forward to when our life is over. Look at the last part of that. Thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. We're looking forward to the resurrection of us being resurrected into heaven. That's going to be our reward. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at that. I want you to look at Christ and what He done for you and I, the giving that He gave to us, knowing that not all people, that he, most people that He gave His life for would not ever turn their life to Christ, to Himself. That He died for some people, for sinners, while we were yet sinners, He didn't die for people that was already saved because He is the saving aspect of all sinners. He died for those that were sinners. He died for those that have lived their whole life and have passed from this life never knowing Christ. But Christ coming to this world wasn't uh, teetering on whether we're going to obey or not. He came determined to die and make that sacrifice for us. paying a debt that we could not pay. The payment or the wages of sin is death. The, the thing earned is what wages is. And you get your wages from work. You get paid your wages. That's what you've earned at work. So what you earn from partaking in sin is death. And, he, and Christ has come to this earth to pay that for you. I don't think there's any more greater giving than that in your life today as you think about, about Christ and what He gave for you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 
We've got to surrender ourselves in, in while we give. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself, which means surrendering yourself or himself, for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. You think about Christ and the way he surrendered his life to us, we've got to surrender our life and our giving, everything about us as Christians has got to be surrendered to, to God. Philippians 2, verse 7, But made himself of no reputation, uh, and took upon himself, upon him, the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. The ESV puts it, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Having taken upon himself no reputation means emptying himself for us. For, for, for God first, and then for us. And we need to do the same. And should be done cheerfully. Second Corinthians 9, verse 7, Every man according to as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, I understand that this is most likely talking about, specifically about giving for the church, but I think this type of giving needs to be done throughout all of our giving. We need to do our giving cheerfully. And our giving should be purposed. It shouldn't be like, well, God just... God is telling me to do this, so I guess I'll do it. It should be done cheerfully, and I have a cheerful heart. should be in secret. Matthew 6, verse 2, it says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and when thy, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Don't. Sound a trumpet, say, oh, look, I'm giving. God's happy with me because I'm a giving person. I'm giving to so-and-so or to this cause. Look at me. That's what it's saying about not sounding a trumpet. Now, if you have to get behind a closed door to get, give somebody something, then that's what it requires. But he's not, he's not commanding us to every time we give to somebody or to a cause that we have to go in a closet behind a door to do so. But it needs to be in such a way that I mean, whenever you compare uh, left hand, my right hand, and my left hand not knowing what each other does, that's pretty secret, ain't it? But we've got to have that heart to not just be sounding a trumpet saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Because that's what the uh, Pharisees did in the synagogues and the streets and on the corners of the streets. They, they would want to be seen. This should be done full of love. Matthew 22 and verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Put, put love behind your giving. The, the true love that God requires, loving God first, and that's the point here, that we need to love God and give our hearts fully over to God first. And we've read this may, maybe, perhaps several times. Uh, you may have studied it even. But it really speaks to the heart the love that we need to have in our heart when we give. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, 
but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they shall pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails and never ends. If we follow this right here, have this as a motivator behind everything that we do, and specifically what we're talking about this morning on our giving, we're going to do great things for God. We're going to give great things to people because we're giving it out of a love, loving heart. Because if we can give our life, to give everything we have, even give our life as a sacrifice for somebody, and it's just because we're sounding a trumpet, and it's for the wrong reason, he says, it's, it's vain. It's, it's, uh, he says, I gain nothing. So remember that as we give. So what is our recompense? I, th- I thought we just said that we shouldn't be doing this to get paid back, right? We shouldn't be giving so that somebody else can give us something. That's a blessing of us as Christians that God has went into this world through His Son to, to be able to cleanse our, our sins if we come to Him and we obey Him. We have such a great blessing of Christ that if we do these things that He tells us to do and we're washing His blood, we have a recompense waiting on us when this life is over. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So looking forward to laying hold of that eternal life should be our end goal. That should be our uh, vision as we look down the road. Uh, We don't go driving blindly down I-49 without looking ahead of us, do we? We shouldn't go down life's pathway just not looking at our end goal, not looking down the road. We're looking down at eternal life and then ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And then distribute, I believe, means to share. And it says, laying up for store themselves a good foundation. So Paul... He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul was looking forward to something when he end, his life was about to end here. He was looking for something that was going to be a recompense to him for a life that he gave himself for. He gave himself completely to God first. Then you see countless times where he gave, gave his life and the things about his life to folks in the church. And we see that he looked forward to that recompense. And we need to be the same. So as we think about giving, and we know that we are to give as a Christian, uh, that's, that's what we're called to do. But, but what about those folks that we are around at work Maybe our family that, that we see that has such a, such a big giving heart. And we, I, I know some guys at work that, man, if we can just use him as an example for us as Christians, you know, they, he, he gives a lot. <coughs> we may know somebody in our family that has a big giving heart but are not a Christian. 
Now, I'm not standing here condemning people. I'm not standing here judging people. We're looking to the scriptures for this. Having a big giving heart doesn't alone get us to heaven. And this is the point I'm trying to make here. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And thy name hath cast out devils. How many of you have, are able to prophesy and to cast out devils? I, I don't know of anybody today that can, it's true, truly can do that. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What about if a wonderful work that this person is talking about is having the biggest giving heart ever? Maybe they done all these things in secret. Maybe they didn't sound a trumpet when they gave. Maybe they seen a, a, a robbed person laying on the ground half dead. Maybe they went and t- tended to those people. May we give to a great cause out in, in, in the town that we live in. Maybe you've given your life and you're standing before God on Judgment Day as, as these people here. Have we not done many wonderful works? Then Christ says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That right there, how can... How can Christ tell us that after all these things that we've done. What I have underlined there is very important. He that doeth the will of my Father. It doesn't matter how much we give in our life if we haven't done the will of our Father which is in heaven, which is much more than giving. Then we're going to hear depart from me. I never knew you. Well, God knows me. Christ knows me. Yeah, he may know your name. Does he really, truly, honestly claim you as his own? When he looks upon you, does, he see, does God see his son? When people look at Isaiah and Zeke, I've had comments that they, different parts of them resemble me. Different parts resemble Julia. They're my own. You can recognize that. I can recognize that. They act like me sometimes. But I can honestly say these are my own these are my two kids when Christ looks at you does he say this is my children and it's by his standards of which we are his children and we're going to cover that just for a few minutes here the greatest thing that you can ever give your Lord is your life turn your life over to God there may be wads of cash that you can give God for the, for the work of the church, and that's great. There may be a lot of things that you can give different folks in the church. That's great. Do that. Do it from the right heart. Do it out of love. All these things that we just talked about this morning, that's, that's great. But if you don't first give yourself over to God, and your life completely over to God, all this other stuff means nothing. You've got to give your life to God first. Because when you stand before God on Judgment Day, this is what really matters. Have you done the will of God or not? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do we give our life over to God? It's by being a living sacrifice for God. Now, when we think about sacrifices, we think, well, if you sacrifice, that thing you sacrifice is dead, right? Uh, when Christ died on the cross, he sacrificed his life, so he, he had to die, right? We present our bodies a living sacrifice, which means turning our lives completely over to Christ. We're still living, but it's in a sacrificial way that we live from then on to God. Not being conformed to this world, but you're sacrificing that in order to walk, renewing of your mind forward, a, a renewed mind, a renewed life. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. I am sacrificed with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucifying ourselves with Christ. And when we do that, he says, I, I'm still living, but the life which I now live, I live in Christ. He's my ruler. He tells me what to do. I live for him now, not for my sins, and not my old life. Well, how can we be crucified with Christ? How can we be a partaker of, of his sacrifice and, and being crucified with him? This is very important. This is very crucial. Things that people overlook today. The most common thing that you can find in the scriptures in the New Testament people overlook and say well that's not important how we come in contact with Christ's sacrifice and his and his blood and his crucifixion how do we crucify our old lives how we be uh, not being conformed to the world but being renewed how can we be transformed into a new creature Romans chapter 1 6 verse 1 what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound you know as we Look at God's grace. God's grace just keeps abounding and abounding. But does that mean we keep sinning and keep sinning because God's grace will cover it? He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Our mindset going forward when this transformation happens is not to live in sin any longer. It's to live in, under Christ and under God going forward, living that renewed life. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with them by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For after we have planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead in, with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. So this is the death, burial, and resurrection. This is the gospel. This is how we come in contact with the gospel, with the crucifixion of Jesus, crucifying our old man of sin, buried in that water or grave of baptism as we come out, just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. When we come out of that water, we are raised to walk in newness of life. Our sins are washed away. They're gone. It says that we believe that we shall also live with him. Being dead to our old man, our old life, giving that up for God, giving our life over to God, that's the greatest thing that we can give. 
if we do that, we won't hear in the end, depart from me. I never knew you. Because if we follow this plan that God has set out for us, He's going to look on us and He's going to look at Jesus' blood. And he says, this is my own. This is my children. This is the heir to heaven. He will know you on judgment day. So instead he'll say, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Which of those two statements would you rather hear? Depart from me or come unto me? I think we all this morning would say we'd like to hear this on judgment day. As we're standing there, perhaps kneeling before God, as he's judging us, we want to hear these words, don't we? We want to see each other in heaven one day. So give your life over to God, if you haven't already. And remember, while we're here on this earth, we have got to have that heart to give to God first and then to others. And if we give our hearts to God first, then that heart behind giving everywhere else is going to be in the proper place. If there's anyone here this morning that needs prayers of the church, there's time set aside here. Um, during this invitation song to come forward and let your request, whatever you need prayers for, to be made known to the brethren here, and we can pray for you. And even more important than that is if you haven't obeyed the gospel this morning through baptism, haven't become in contact with his blood, his blood doesn't cover you this morning, we can take care of that for you this morning as well. We ask you to come stand on the front while we stand and while we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.